Welcome into the Friday edition, more importantly, the conference championship version of the Joke Room. Holy cow, how lucky are we this weekend? Okay, coming up, it's been a minute, so we're going to touch on the biggest Netflix movie ever, um, whether or not it's weather worth watching. Also, is Zach Wilson's NFL career over? And uh, LeBron is in the middle of a huge conspiracy. And then, yes, college football happened this last weekend, and it's about to get even bigger tomorrow. So we're going to get you ready for that. We also have some breaking news about college football expansion that I bet you didn't hear. So we're going to give you that as well. So the way this is going to work is we're going to hit this incredibly massive Netflix movie, the most streamed Netflix movie of all time, which I bet you didn't know. We're going to tell you not whether it's not it's worth watching. And then we're going to hit all the college football and then finish off with some NFL and some NBA. So... Jackson, before we get into everything that happened last week with the coaching changes in college football and Michigan happening, Harbaugh maybe being back, tell me about this. Uh, so the movie we're talking about is Red Notice. I don't know if anybody, if, if you've seen it, great. If not, we're going to tell you whether or not it's worth watching. Tell me what you thought about Netflix's most streamed movie of all time. Over 50% of people who have Netflix have watched it. It depends on a lot of things, Okay. If you like The Rock, this movie will not make you hate The Rock. If you like Ryan Reynolds, this movie will not make you hate Ryan Reynolds. If you like Gal Gadot, same thing. It's not a good movie. Like, just very plain, it's not a Interesting. good movie. Interesting. It's a, it's a throwaway movie. It's, it's not worth it to go see it. Like, it wouldn't be worth it to go see it in theaters, right, even if it was. It, it's, it's just a movie that's there. Like, honestly, like, so actually my mom used to flip houses, right? And so what she would do is she would turn on, like, the Marvel movies, and that's how she would get through them because otherwise – my mom's just not a superhero person, but that's how she got into it is that she would listen to it while she was painting, while she was, like, doing floors, things like that. And so that's how she actually got into the Marvel Universe, and she actually became a little bit of a savant for just a second about the Marvel Universe. Dang. But when it came to this movie, it wouldn't even be worth it to do that. It's not even worth having it on in the background. If you want to, like – have a movie to be on like i guess you could do this but it really it's like it's one of those movies that's not so aggressively bad that you need to talk about it because it's so offensive but it's also not a good movie it's almost not even worth mentioning like it's just so netflix it's so regurgitated it's so boring I, it really makes me sad because like ryan reynolds and the rock in the same movie like those are like two of the cultiest personalities on the internet and so you would think, like, oh, my gosh, it could be a big hit. It's not. It's really boring. Okay, so this is what I thought about it. My first thing that I got just watching the movie is I felt like the entire movie was CGI. Like, I didn't feel like there was a built set in this entire movie, which is sad because I've seen some of the behind the scenes and a lot of stuff that I saw it was CGI. I don't know if it's the way they did the cameras. I don't know what the issue was, but you felt like it, doesn't the look real. it all looks fake. Like they're sitting in an office in Gal Gadot's office that one time when they're in prison and it like the mm -hmm. whole thing looks fake, but it's not like yeah. they built the set that way. Um, so I didn't realize this. I thought I was like the only one who watched it. And then I see this thing that it's the most watched movie on Netflix of all time. And the previous record was set in four weeks and they set it in two and a half weeks. They set the record. Um, so Do yeah. You know what that tells me though? What? That tells me that there's no good content on Netflix. And so everybody's just starving for just a crumb of like content to watch. Like, 
it's actually a good thing that Lost in Space was released recent, like just barely, right? I think as of today, like it was when this is released, it was released two days ago. And it's so good that there's something out there because there's nothing. There's nothing to watch anywhere. And I've really never even heard of Lost in Space. I don't I don't know what that is, but I guess I'll have to Actually, low-key, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug for it. It's PG, right? So you'd think like there's nothing like noteworthy about it. You'd think it's a kid's show. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's an actual show created by Netflix, and it's actually pretty freaking good. And so it was like, was it I, season I, three that came out the other day because it's, it's a tv yes. show yeah mm-hmm. season three was released and i watched season one and two well actually while i was dating my wife my father-in-law introduced it to me and then the pandemic happened so they didn't do season three but they just barely released it and i haven't seen any of season three yet but season one and two were actually pretty phenomenal okay well i'll have to look it up the other thing that i will always shamelessly plug because you know i'm a net i'm i'm i am I would classify myself as a sitcom whore, or if that word's too graphic for you, then then a hoe or whatever you want to call it. But like, I will die for a good sitcom. I've watched all of New Girl. I've watched all of like like all the good sitcoms. Friends, How I Met Your Mother. I'm on How I Met Your Mother for my fifth time now. I think all the way through. But I just got done watching Seinfeld on Netflix. If you like sitcoms and you and you are one of those people who grew up watching like 80s movies like Back to the Future and all of those kinds of content, then Seinfeld is absolutely the place to go and it's so mind-numbing. Um, so there is still good things on Netflix. The, the thing I'll say about Red Notice, if, if you're in a situation where – like I would rank it – if I have to give it an artificial ranking, I rank it like – I, if you're on like a first date with a girl and you're just making out, like this is a movie you could throw in the background. Cause like every now and then you'll like take a break and actually watch it. And like the thing that makes this movie, which I think you will agree with me on is the chemistry between Gal Gadot, The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. Like the chemistry is absolutely unreal. And I don't want to diss The Rock but I do think maybe part of this issue is like his his company was the one that produced this. Uh, like I don't remember what it's called. It's like se- Seven Bucks Productions, I think is what it called, and they're the ones that produce this. I think that's part of the issue is that this is I think one of their first films, if I'm not mistaken. And so maybe if you have like a bigger production company, a bigger director do this, then maybe you get better out of it. But I think maybe it was just that it really was a low budget film because a lot of the movie is very heavily reliant on the two twist endings at the end, which after you see the first one, the second one doesn't blow your mind that much. And then this movie is absolutely heavily reliant on the chemistry between those three, which is actually really good. The problem is you could have stuck all three of those people in a movie about some office in like Nebraska and it still would have probably been just as funny. And I'm actually sad because I would have rather watched that than watch this. Like I feel like this got to come out and be the first thing where you have the chemistry between these three be so like, they're all pretty iconic. I feel like for our time, Ryan Reynolds has blown up like I feel like he's become acceptable because of Deadpool and because of uh, Free Guy. I don't know if you saw either one of those, but like 
Before that, Ryan Reynolds was just kind of this weird guy who was in an X-Men movie and he was also in the proposal and like we weren't really sure what we're getting and I feel like now we absolutely know what we're getting with Ryan Reynolds and we love it because he has this very weird, unique personality. And so I guess to finish it off, to slam it home, this whole movie is supported by their chemistry, which is really good, but it's unfortunate because the movie does kind of suck and you feel like everything is fake and CGI. Well, I actually like, a, and I'm not, I know that I'm talking about the principle. I'm not talking about like the actual movies themselves in terms of quality, but the principle actually, I would say another movie I saw recently was the second Venom. Um, and the chemistry, right? Like between like Venom, right. And the Tom Hardy character yep. is hilarious. It works really well. It's one of the highlights of the film. It was one of the highlights of the first film. But if that's the only leg you have to stand on is the chemistry, your movie's not going to work. Yep. Right? And so there there are lots of movies, actually, where there are actors that have really good chemistry and they work really well together. But you – I'm sorry. It's just not – it's not a movie that I would spend any money to see. It's not a movie that I would recommend oh, yeah. to anybody. It's a movie I would recognize and be like, oh, yeah. That exists. That's pretty much all I would give it. Yeah, I feel like this it, it, this movie to me is very synonymous with this adage that my uncle has at Nike that I think I've said before. But he they joke all the time. He works in like Nike World Headquarters. He's a designer. They joke all the time that they could slap the swoosh on a trash bag and people would still overpay and resell for it. So I feel like that's the same way about this movie. And I don't mean to trash on it that much because like – I would give it a 6 out of 10. Like, it's not down there with Tokyo Drift or some of the other the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, I, I feel like it's it's average. The, the chemistry raises it significantly from where it would be if it was anyone else in this movie. So, like, if you have literally nothing else to watch and you want a movie to watch, like, it's, it's decent. But it's like you've seen The Rock play this character before. So, if you want to see a different side of him, this is not the movie for you. But, again... This movie is 100% built on branding. I am, like, I'm so shocked that it is the most watched movie on Netflix. I didn't think it was going to do that well, but I do think they marketed it super hard, and people will watch pretty much the anything, anything with The Rock and or Gal Gadot and or Ryan Reynolds in it. And here's and here's the thing, actually, as well. Something that we need to stop doing in movies, we really need to stop doing, is we not we need to stop having actors play themselves. Right. And Tom Hanks, Ooh. one of the things that makes Tom Hanks a good actor is that Tom Hanks is in a lot of movies and you know immediately who he is, but you recognize each of his characters when he's in Castaway, when he's in Sully, when he's in anything, you understand that he's playing a character and that character is Tom Hanks, but you don't see that character as Tom Hanks. You see them as that character that Tom Hanks plays. The Rock has never played a character that was not The Rock. The Rock plays himself in every single movie. And so does the, this is actually a problem with like Kevin Hart. The, the big problem with True. Kevin Hart as an actor is that Kevin Hart is incapable of playing any character that is not Kevin Hart. Like, even in the... And I uh, this is a movie I liked, right? But in the Jumanji movies, Kevin Hart played Kevin Hart. He didn't play anybody else. He just played Kevin Hart. And so, when I'm watching... I don't, I don't know I don't know what Kevin Hart's character's name in that movie was. I have no idea. And do you want to know why? Because he played Kevin Hart. And The Rock, I don't remember what The Rock's character's name was in Red Notice. All I knew is, it was The Rock. And this is the problem. You need to stop having the characters who play themselves in movies because it really means they can only play one kind of role. Like even Maui, 
right? Like in Moana. Yeah, that's he just fair. Picked rock, and it was an animated movie. It doesn't yep. even make any sense. That's fair. At, he's in this uh, this new movie, DC League of Super Pets, I think it is, coming up that I'll probably take my niece and nephew to see. Like, it looks like it's a decent movie, but it's also The Rock and Kevin Hart. And it'll be interesting to see, because I think even based off the trailer, The Rock plays, like, uh, uh, I don't remember what Superman's dog's name is. Crypto, I think. He plays that, like, super just meat-headed dog. So, it'll be interesting to see if he also plays that. My only defense for Kevin Hart will be, Kevin Hart is not an actor, like, he's a comedian who acts. And so I think Kevin Hart can get away with playing the same role all the time because his whole comedy act is him being himself. Like, I don't think any of us are walking around masquerading that we believe Kevin Hart is one of the greatest actors of all time. He's just a comedian. Like, I think it's the same thing with Chris Tucker was in it when he's in uh, the Rush Hour movies. Like, he's Chris Tucker. And I think the same would go for a lot of comedians other than guys like Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy who are iconic as both. But I'll always go to war for my guy, Kevin Hart, because I love Kevin Hart. But you're right. He's the same in every movie. He's the short little guy. He does have this new one coming up that is uh, – he actually plays a comedian, and then it gets super dark. So I don't know how that one's going to be, but it looks very interesting. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we will. We were going to do uh, – we were going to talk about Era, or Hawkeye, but Jackson hasn't seen it yet. But for anyone who wants to know, I have figured out how – spider-man no way home ties into hawkeye and i'm not going to give it to you until jackson decides to watch it but there is a connection oh and shang chi is also connected in this um mystical psycho thriller web that i have intertwined between all of these different films but as soon as jackson watches it then i will give you my theory until then we have an absolute bonkers weekend coming up this weekend but before we get there i we're going to go in chronological order okay so we're going to start we're going to talk about last weekend we're going to talk about what happened this week with the coaching changes and then we're going to talk about what's going on this weekend and by that time i don't think we're going to have time to talk about anything else but to be honest i don't think anything else really matters so first thing which win stood out the most to you of this last weekend? Because I think we had a wild weekend in college football. One we weren't necessarily expecting, but rivalry week came up huge. I think for the reason, and I'm sure you and I can fight about this, but but for reasons other than the fact that the win was good, um, the Alabama win against Auburn okay. put the committee in a really hard place. Okay. Because here's the thing. Obviously, I think you and I would both agree, right? And I don't think this is controversial to even say. The SEC is by far and away the best conference in football. right? I'm so glad this is where we're starting because I absolutely will drop knowledge. But yes, keep going. Right. So the SEC is the best. After that, I would argue Big Ten, right? Pretty distantly is a a second place. Um, For sure. A lot of people will get mad at me for this. I think the Big 12 would be after that. And oh, I, when yeah. I say Big 12, I'm talking new Big 12. I'm not talking like what it currently is because that's basically part SEC anyways. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but like the new iteration of the Big 12 and then the ACC. No, actually, mm, you can like, I don't really care actually after that. ACC, Pac-12, you can really swap them. Both yeah. of them are equally as garbage. I if, mean, if, if ACC good, does exactly, yes. Right. And so Clemson makes that whole thing. And some years, Florida State has something to say. But most of the time, it's Clemson or bust. 
right? And the Pac-12 is just a pile of garbage, which I'm very happy to say as a BYU fan. So here's the thing. Since that's the order of the conferences, right, we understand, and I think you and I both agree, Cincinnati would lose to Alabama in a head-to-head matchup, yeah? Cincinnati at home would get railed by Alabama, yes. Right. So here's the problem, is that Cincinnati went undefeated last year. Now, it's a COVID year, right? So I think you take it and you see that, and you take it into account, but it is not, it's not a down payment, right, on success. It's just you see it and you notice it. That's what you need to do with the, the COVID year because it was so Love weird that. for everybody. Now, for a second year, they have now gone undefeated again. I don't know how you keep an undefeated Cincinnati team who has now gone undefeated two years. I don't, I don't know how you keep them out of the playoff versus anybody else, right? I, this is, and this is what I don't understand. Alabama now has a loss. They barely scraped by Auburn. And I'm not trying to disrespect Auburn. Like, I'm really not trying to. Auburn's not even top 25. Their quarterback had a broken like, ankle for, like, the last quarter of the game, and it wasn't even Bo Nix. It was TJ no. Finley. Like, it was a nobody who had no ankle, and they really had no offensive weapons. So the fact that you struggled with that quarterback is a red flag. And it took them multiple overtimes. And what's is Florida even ranked right now? Florida is not ranked. Right. Florida's not ranked right now, and that they came close. You know what I mean? And yep. so what, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go and play in the SEC championship. I think Georgia's going to beat them. Right? And I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think it will be close either. I think they'll beat them by a score or two. I think that's what will happen. And so here's my thing. An Alabama team that's 11-2, and two, right, versus – now, obviously, I'm doing a lot of assuming here. A 13-0 and Georgia team, a 12-1 and Michigan team, and a 13-0 Cincinnati team, how do you justify Alabama over potentially Oklahoma State and Notre Dame? Like, how, how – I don't – like, somebody needs to do the math for me because I totally understand, like, the argument against Ohio State and, like, a lot of these teams. But I don't understand a two-loss Alabama team at number four or three, right, like, in three in the college football playoff rankings. I don't understand if Georgia beats them how they don't drop – to lower than four. I don't understand that that thinking, especially if Oklahoma State wins in the Big 12 championship, which I think they will. Okay, so we went a lot of places, and I like all the places that we went, but this is we'll, I'll break into the why the SEC is the best conference in football, and if you disagree with me, you can't after this argument, but we'll get to that. I'll save that nugget for the Brian, uh, Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley talk. Okay, so we're, we're going to start off with Alabama, which I like because obviously that's most pertinent to me. As you can see, if you were watching the video, is my whole wall is covered in Georgia. Aaron Murray, the god, is sitting right behind me. Alabama. Alabama's enigmatic for a number of reasons. The first one, like you mentioned, is they struggled with a Florida team that struggled to beat a Samford team. I believe they gave up over 40 points to Samford in the first half. So, yes, Florida is an L. Then you struggled with an Auburn team who, without Bo Nix, and Bo Nix has essentially been their whole offense. They've been able to just get lucky 
on a bunch of wide open routes because Bo Nix just runs around sometimes similar to a Johnny Manziel fashion. Alabama presents a couple of issues though, because you want to talk about recency bias, not necessarily recency bias, but you did bring up the point of, well, Cincinnati's now gone undefeated two years in a row, which you can't disagree with. And at the end of that first year, they played Georgia in a bowl game. Granted, that was a different Georgia team, a significantly different defense, because there's no way you're putting up that many points on this year's Georgia defense, but Georgia nonetheless. And then they go undefeated once again. So if we're going to say, well, Alabama struggled with Florida and Auburn, then I'm going to tell you Cincinnati struggled with a one-win Navy team and a one-win Tulane team. So that just evens the playing field a little bit more. My other thing is, and I don't know if other people can understand this. Maybe you can only understand if you're a University of Georgia fan or if you play in the SEC, but there are there are a couple of people in sports that no matter what, you just never bet against. LeBron James, I would say, is one of them. If you bet against LeBron before, like, pre-2021, pre-2020, you got some balls, you got some cojones. Same with if you bet against Nick Saban. I have learned no matter what, you never bet against Nick Saban. The last time that Nick Saban was an underdog in a conference championship game, I believe was 2005. Like they just don't take L's in the conference championship. Granted, there was one year they didn't even make it and they somehow made it into the playoffs last year or that year. And that to me is the biggest reason why you could still put them in this year if they lose to Georgia because that year they didn't even make the conference championship. And I know we've hashed this out before, but they didn't even make the conference championship. It was Auburn and Georgia because of the way it worked out. Alabama snuck in as the four seed and went on to win the whole thing. So to me, I see the argument for them getting in. I also see the argument against them put being put in, but it's going to come down to, does the committee think that Alabama can win based off of what they've done in the past? And do they get in based on branding alone? The next thing we have to look at is, do you and I honestly believe that Alabama could win? Let's say, okay, so so just for kicks and giggles, let me ask you this. If you had to place, like, there is a gun to your head, you have to bet somebody's life on whether or not Georgia is beating Alabama this weekend, which way are you going? I think Georgia beats Alabama. Okay, so then the question we have— I trust Georgia's defense more than I trust either Alabama's defense or offense. Which is true. So then the question we have to ask is, do we feel like a a two-loss Alabama team is more deserving over which— if that's the question we're asking, then we have to play a situation game where we just have to figure out who else is getting it. But I think you're right. To that extent, the odds are— because of a number of things. Because Alabama is not as deep at running back as they usually are. Usually they just have stud after stud after stud. But Bijan Ro- or not Bijan Robinson, Brian Robinson is looking banged up. And outside of that, they don't have a running game. They gave up seven sacks last week to an Auburn team that doesn't have a significant pass rush. So I think you're correct. If I'm betting money, I told my mom this morning, I'm like, if I'm betting, I'm putting $200 down on Alabama because I'm not convinced that we're getting the dub. But I do think 
that's fair. But we're going to save this crazy group of all kinds of situations for like in 15 minutes because we do need to hit this. We have Michigan who beat Ohio State and we also have Lincoln Riley deciding he wants to leave Oklahoma and Brian Kelly saying, I want to come to the SEC. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Lincoln Riley because it's what a lot of people – it's actually kind of interesting to me how little people have paid attention to Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame as compared to Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, I have no doubt that Lincoln, Lincoln Riley will be good at USC. I have no doubt about that at all. Right, I don't. But I think there's a reason. I think Lincoln Riley is a massive part of the reason why Oklahoma is on probation from the CFP. Right, even had they gone undefeated, I don't know that Oklahoma would have been a top four team. And the reason for this is because the committee knows that Oklahoma drops something stinky every single time they get into the playoff. They know that they do that, and I think Lincoln Riley is a big part of that. And so it'll be we. I don't know. I people want to make a lot of hay out of the. USC's in the Pac-12. I don't know that that's inherently the reason. I think with Lincoln Riley, I think you have to think about a lot of things. He's been in Oklahoma for how long now? Like how long was he in Oklahoma, at Oklahoma? He was there before because he was he was Bob Soup's OC. So he's been there for I believe at least seven years because he was there before Bob Stoops left. Right. And so he's been there for a minute. He's been with the program for a second, right? He knows that they're leaving to the SEC, right? And, and, I'll, and I'll acknowledge that. Like, playing in the SEC is not the same thing as playing in the Big 12, right? It's going to be a lot more defensive slugfest and hard-hitting running back as compared to graceful throw from, like, you know, five-star quarterback to five-star wide receiver burning, a, burning the absolute life and torching a defensive back, right? Like, it's not going to be the same game. But yep. I think a lot of it's just USC is a higher – I would guess it's a higher-paying job than Oklahoma. I would guess that it's a higher-profile job than Oklahoma. I think – I mean, you already saw, like, people have flipped from Oklahoma to USC. So the loyalty isn't inherently to Oklahoma. It's to the coach, which is to be expected. Yeah. But, like, five stars are flipping – what like they're flipping their commitments directly over to USC and USC already gets pretty good recruiting, even though their program is trash. And so I just look at it and I'm like, a lot of people will say like, he doesn't want to play hard competition. I think there's an element of that, but I think a lot of it's just they're off there. I would bet they're offering him more money. I would bet that they're just offering him more prestige. I bet that he thinks he has a lot more to work with, right? Like he has a lot more building blocks that he gets to use. And yeah, I think there is something to be said about the fact that the biggest competition that you have is a Kyle Whittingham who should have already retired and Washington. I think when that's like your biggest competition in the conference, I, I would rather do that than play Georgia. Okay, so here's, here's Lincoln Riley's contract details. I don't know if you've heard this yet, so I'm going to just give it to you I have straight it. off the bat. Okay. Okay, the, this, is, this is like, this is what's being reported by Albert Breer, who's a pretty solid source. So the contract is $110 million, straight off the bat. That's a nine-figure contract, straight up. USC is buying both his homes in Norman 
for five hundred thousand dollars over asking plus uh, so that's a million dollar like signing bonus basically they are buying a six million dollar home in la for him and his family and he essentially gets a private jet because his family gets unlimited use of the private for jet private jet 24 7 so as you and i like to do joel clatt usually makes a few mentions in this show usually every week he made a point on a couple of shows he was on this week that every single person in the world is for sale and the only reason that we're not moving is because you're either not worth more money or you have a contractual obligation that doesn't allow you to go out and make that money that doesn't allow you to just leave so there's all this being made about well uh, the loyalty like the disinherent like this ability that he has to just up and leave while you have all these players who are there and they were committed to him and you have all these fans who were committed and they didn't have a bad season so why leave so first of all, I have no – like Lincoln Riley should have no shame for a number of reasons. But the reason that's being reported that he wanted to leave was something you alluded to is that he doesn't want to – harder competition. It is being reported that part of the reason he wanted to leave is he wasn't a fan of the Oklahoma move to the SEC, which is genius for a number of reasons. Because if we think that there's – like Oklahoma – Essentially, every time they've made the playoffs, they've either played an SEC team or Clemson. And Clemson, you can say what you want, but even this year's Clemson, when Clemson was bad, still had one of the best scoring defenses in the country. Oklahoma can't put up with that. And I don't know if people realize this, but Missouri is one of the worst teams in the SEC. Everyone can agree on that. They had the number one rusher in the SEC this year. Dude ran for 1,600 yards. So the other teams in the SEC are not scrubs. They're just scrubs compared to guys that are winning the SEC. The other, you also mentioned, okay, well, they're, they're flipping all of these guys. They flipped a quarterback. They flipped a wide receiver. They flipped a running back. And I believe they flipped another running back. None of those guys play defense, which is also an issue. And I wonder if he gets into the SEC, if he gets it, like once he gets into USC, I don't know if that issue changes, right? Because you mentioned this probation that USC is on because every time they get there, they get clapped. But yes, like to me, the situation is going to be the same, right? Like you're going to be dominating your conference. But as soon as you get out into the real world until it's time for mom and dad to send you off to college and you get to learn what football is really like, until you start recruiting defense, how is anything going to be any different? I think what Lincoln Riley's also betting on is the fact that his offense is going to his offense is going to improve higher than his defense could ever improve when it was in Oklahoma. And you just have to think about this, right? Like and this is we and I talked about this when Texas and Oklahoma joined. Texas and Oklahoma I don't think they'll be Vanderbilt, but they're probably gonna be Arkansas. You know what I mean? When they go yep. to that conference, they're gonna, they're gonna be in that conference, and they're just, I, I, I have really, really severe doubts that Texas or Oklahoma comes within shouting distance of the title game. No. In the next ten years, I just don't. I as long as Nick Saban is in there, 
And as long as Georgia keeps playing the way that it does, where basically the entire defensive line is like starting NFL talent. Yep. I don't I don't understand where you think that you're going to win, right, in any divisions. And so I just I look at it and I'm like, here's what I think. What I don't what I think is that this actually has a little bit more effect on conference realignment than it actually does on like the than it actually does on like the power imbalance of teams. Yes. Because I think what's going to happen is if you're the Big Ten, right? The SEC has expanded, and the, if the SEC offers to almost any team, the team will take it. So every single, not like not even like leaving out like the Big Ten. If the SEC today offered, oh, even looking at the top twenty-five, right? If they offered Oklahoma State. Right, and let's say, who else is in the top 25? Let's say they offered them and Clemson. Okay. Right, both of those teams would leave their conferences to go to the SEC. Do you think? I don't know if Clemson would. I think Oklahoma State would only because Oklahoma, or the Big 12 may soon turn into the American Athletic Conference where it's just irrelevant. So yes, I I I mean Clemson might I don't know, but Oklahoma State absolutely would. Well, and here's the thing: I actually think the opposite. So here's what I think is going to happen, right? And I'm speaking as a BYU fan who is in the Mountain West Conference, so I like to think I know a little bit about conferences that are dying. Before you continue, but, just can I just plug this? BYU won yeah. every single one of their Pac-12 games this year. So to all of the BYU fans who wanted to get into the Pac-12, you should just give a big old middle finger to the Pac-12 and say, we don't need you. We're too good to be in your league. And I was actually talking about this because here's the thing, right? I was talking about this with a friend that you and I both know. Looking at like six, like six months ago, right? Or not six months ago because like just like a few months ago, we were convinced that the Big 12 was on the verge of death. Yeah, we thought right? it was going to we implode and dissipate. Right. We didn't even think there was going to be a conference. Now, if we think about it, right, I, I want to go through this real quick. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to – I'm going to pull this up because I had this – like I had this conversation with a friend, right, as we were talking about this. And listen, looking at these rankings, right, and looking at the – pathway forward for all these conferences the sec right let's just say it remains unchanged the big 10 remains unchanged and all these conferences remain unchanged in the top 25 right now the sec has georgia alabama ole miss um let's see oklahoma will include them as part of the new the new sec um, and then they have Arkansas and Kentucky and Texas A&M. So they have seven teams in the top 25, right? The Big Ten right now has Michigan. Um, I won't count. No, nah, no, I won't count them. But Ohio State, uh, they have Michigan State. Um, they have Iowa. They have, let's see, going all the way down here. Do they have anybody else? Nobody else. So they got four teams in the college football top 25 rankings. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that match what you're seeing? Yeah. All right. Big 12. 
The Big 12 has, and I'm talking like the future of the conference, Cincinnati. They have Oklahoma State. They have Baylor. They have BYU. And then they have, let's see, Houston. And so they have five teams in the top 25. And looking at the ACC, they have a couple teams in the top 25. I don't think any of them are serious, but you have what? Like, you have Wake Forest, you have Pittsburgh. Pitt, yeah. Um, and then you have Clemson, right? And then is NC State? No, not NC State. They are ACC, but I don't know if they're in or not. Yeah, they but are but NC but State. can I add to your big but to your Big Twelve point? Right. Let me just add this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati. BYU is Power Five, but it's harder to get kids there because it's independent and because it's a church school. And then you have right. Houston and Cincinnati, who are not Power Five schools. So getting kids to go there and telling them, "Yeah, we're going to get you a national championship," and "Yes, we're going to get you NFL." to the NFL is a lot harder when you don't play for national championships and you don't play what people would keep count as real talent. You're now like you have Cincinnati, Houston, BYU who are already in the top 25 without that. I would argue that's another piece in the tool belt that you get to go into recruiting with say, yeah, we're a power five school. And so I think you're now cracking the seams and putting all of the, the only conference that doesn't have to be afraid is the SEC. But if you're right, you're making this argument that the Big 12 is on the come up. They absolutely should put a little bit of the fear of God in the Big 10 because they're doing more with less. And that's what I'm saying is that I'm like, they're already doing this without the resources that the Big 10 and the SEC have, right? And then you look at behind them. The ACC is one Clemson move away from complete irrelevance. Like if Clemson leaves, the conference is done because this like here's the problem. I was so I was watching the other night BYU versus Utah on the Pac-12 network. The quality of what I was watching, the quality of the product, it looked. I was getting PTSD. I was getting flashbacks to the Mountain Network that BYU used to play on in the Mountain West Conference, where it was like 720 pixels, if that. Oh yeah, Pac-12 network blows. It blows, and it's not on Direct TV. It's pure yeah, how did you even garbage. get it i i went through fubo dude i did the freaking retrial oh my I word back getaway everyone was calling me they're like why isn't byu playing on byu tv and i was like dude i don't know and then i'm like ah because they're on the pac-12 network that's why no one can watch it i know that the that byu is a private school and so they're funded privately right by the church yeah but like byu has a better network than an entire like league of upper quality schools like they pride themselves on being like top-notch like academic schools and like social they can't even afford hd footage yeah i will say i will say this because i do work in byu tv and i and like the graphics and i don't know if i've mentioned this before but the graphics system that i use at work because i work on the graphics obviously for all the sports is it's um, I can't remember what it's called. It's some Swedish company that we get our software from, but it's the exact same graphic system that ESPN uses, that Fox Sports uses. I'd be willing to bet that the Pac-12 Network don't use it. I don't know what they use, but I don't think they use this. And let me just put this in perspective for you. That software alone 
is a couple million dollars to install. So I'm going to bet if the quality is that significant between the Pac-12 network and BYU TV, that odds are Pac-12 network is not using that same graphic system. And if they're not using just that same graphic system, I imagine they're not using the cameras that we use, which people don't realize this, but like when we go, like even when we do a soccer game, we have about 12 to 14 to 15 cameras. All of them cost a hundred grand each. So yes. it's a lot of money to do a TV broadcast. I'm going to imagine that the Pac-12 network doesn't have that kind of money. Right. And so this is my thing. And I know I've taken probably too long to make this point, but here's the thing. I'm looking at this. When it comes to the Lincoln Riley move, I think it's not so, I think what this is, is actually a direct L for the Pac-12. Because think about it this way. Interesting. Oregon, Oregon was their most powerful team in terms of ability to get into the national championship before they Right, which it's just something that I'm a BYU fan. I know that they're my rivals, but like I have to tip my cap to them. Utah has a way of just screwing over the one game that a team can't lose. That's true. It's always Utah. The Pac-12 legitimately has ruined the opportunities the Pac-12 has had to get into the national championship multiple times. Multiple times has Utah ruined it, and then Utah always drops a game that they shouldn't like that they shouldn't lose, and so they never get in either. And they might the do that again to Oregon this week. And if they beat Oregon again, BYU will move up in the rankings. Like you know, like you know what I mean. That is All crazy to think about because Utah is. I don't know what they're ranked. Seventeen. Right. Okay. Utah is. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, and BYU is right there. So yeah. Yeah. So and here's my thing. The SEC is easily like it's it's the cream of the crop. Nobody really debates that. That's serious. Let me let me just plug one second because I have I live in Big Ten country so I get the crap all the time. Let me just I, I let me just spill this and then you keep going. Right. So people who don't want who want to argue the SEC is not the best. Let me just say this to you really quick. First of all, the SEC just tied a record for most team bowl eligible in a conference. That record was set. The record they tied was set in two thousand eight by who? The SEC. On top of that. The last, so if Georgia is to go to the national championship, they would go undefeated. And if they were to win, then they win undefeated, which would make them 15 and 0, which would mean that for the last three years, a different 15 and 0 SEC team, three different teams, has gone to the national championship and won. The first one would have been LSU, which we will regard as maybe the greatest complete team up to bottom top to bottom of all time. The second one was Alabama, who we may regard as the greatest college football offense of all time. And the third one would be Georgia, who would be maybe the greatest college football defense of all time. And if you don't believe me, they're averaging not even, they're not, they haven't given up 17 points a game all year. The last person to do that played in the seventies and it was Texas. So they're definitely up there. And then the year before those three teams and the national championship was Georgia and Alabama, two SEC schools because there was no one good enough from any other conference to even compete with them. So yes, the SEC is the best conference in college football and it's not even close. So if you're a Big Ten fan and you think you're as good, you're really good, but you're not as good as the SEC. So just quit your yapping. And here's what I'm trying to say. The SEC was already like this and they don't have Texas and Oklahoma in the conference yet. 
Texas and Oklahoma being brought in, they were the biggest brands that the Big 12 had. And in the SEC, they're mid in the conference. They're mid teams against pretty much everybody there. Right? It's like a 50-50 game every week. Yeah. Lincoln Riley goes to USC. USC regains dominance and power. Um, if you're the Big Ten and you're trying to compete, I know that it's way far outside of like your zone, but if you're the Big Ten, where do you expand to? Because Clemson's not going to join the Big Ten. Right? Clemson wouldn't join them, I don't think. I think if they're going to join a conference, the only one they would join is the SEC. So who do you take? I think what's about to happen, and this is just like me being conspiracy, like a conspiracy theorist, which as you and I have talked about many times, that usually just means you're six months ahead of the truth. Yikes. Yeah. I think, I think any team is offered by any of the top three conferences, which I would argue the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12, if anybody's offered, I think they leave. Because you think about it, USC understands that their conference is trash. They know this. And Oregon, I'm pretty sure, feels it as well. Oregon, like, the the top-ranked, like, Pac-12 team is Oregon, and they're 10th. They're the 10th-ranked team in the country, and they're the best-ranked team. Nobody is even within earshot of the playoff and hasn't, like, when was the last time a Pac-12 team was really in the playoff? Um, I believe it was Oregon. Right, it was Oregon, like, what, two, three years ago? Oh, no, just kidding. It wasn't Oregon. It was Washington. Washington was the last Pac-12 team to make a convert, or to make the playoffs. That was the year that Derrick Henry made them all look like little children. So, the last time they even made it, they were demolished and i believe that was 2017 or 16 right and so the pac-12 hasn't been there for a minute they're not relevant i'm sorry people want to get mad about it they're not a relevant if the big 10 comes knocking for the sec right they just had to go hit it out of the park and the big 10 or the big 12 ask the sec to join ask usc to join i don't know if they join the big 12 they join the big 10 they join the big 10 for the money they join the big 10 for the exposure they join the Big Ten for a lot of different reasons, right? Like L.A., like you get to now recruit to all the Big Ten kids who don't really want to stay in these places. That's what they want to do, right? They want the best of both like the Big Ten areas who are going to want to come to L.A. and the big city and the bright lights, and they're also going to want to keep all the California kids. I think when you make moves like you did with Lincoln Riley, I think you make yourself a massive target, and I think what's going to happen – I don't know who it will be first, ACC or Pac-12. One of them is going to get rated. One of them will have a team invite, and I think for both those conferences, once one team leaves, everyone leaves. The difference with the Big 12, the only reason everybody didn't scatter is because they invited the best possible people that they could. Right? They invited BYU, who would bring money to the table. They brought in Cincinnati, who's in playoff contention. They brought in Houston, who has a lot of room to grow. They brought in like the best people that they could that were available. Now, if because if USC leaves, why does Oregon stay? They don't. He they they won't stay. And it's the same thing with all these other teams. If Clemson leaves, why do you stay in the ACC? You beg for someone to take you. You beg to be let into a conference. If you're Utah, why would you stay in a conference 
where the best team is Oregon and they're 10th. Especially I, I when your like rival people... just jumped to the Big 12. Right, and well, and, I'm, and this is what I'm saying, right? Here's what I think. Here's what I think, right? I think what's going to happen is I think eventually Notre Dame will have to pick a conference. I think they'll have to join someone. I don't think they want to join the ACC. Um, I know like they have the agreement with them, but I think they understand that the ACC is not the ship to jump on. I think they understand they need to go to the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's a smart move and, for the Big the Notre Dame. And the SEC will get whoever they want, right? And I think they'll frankly try and they don't Clemson. need anyone. No, but I think they'll invite Clemson and Florida State if they do. I think those are the two teams they would pursue. And then if you're the Big 12, you probably try and bring in as many teams as you can from the Pac-12 that are somewhat viable. I think you try and bring in Colorado. I think you try and bring in Utah. I think you bring in Boise. I think you try and bring in Memphis. Like, I think you build this, I think this is how super conferences go. And I didn't think the, like, the Big 12 would be a big part of this. But I really do think... There's three conferences, and then there's two prey. That's all I think that's going to happen here. And I think moves like Lincoln Riley's, I think, are USC preparing for that. Right? I don't, and maybe even like subconsciously, not like consciously, but I think what's happening is USC is hiring a big time coach to resurrect their brand to make themselves attractive because they understand the Pac 12 is about to blow up. Like, I've never seen a conference so poorly positioned, no leverage. And really attractive programs that can go anywhere else and make way more money than they will on a con- like in, except in a conference that like doesn't even broadcast on like direct TV. BYU has its own channel, yeah, and they're in the Big Twelve. Like they have their own channel, and and, and the Pac twelve like, claims to be too good for BYU, and BYU is like it's the no, funniest we thing have I've ESPN, ever seen in my life. We have our own TV network. We have tons of money. We actually like have some respect in the world of college football in the last two years. So just again, quit your yapping from a branding standpoint. I think that PAC 12 or the USC, they, this, this hire, I would rate it like an eight or nine out of 10. I don't know who else you were going to go out and get. And when you're USC, you have to swing big. And I think they hit big. So I like this. My only thing is if you don't hit the defense, you're just Oklahoma and the PAC 12 and you're just, Again, the least relevant conference. But I teased that there was college football news that you probably hadn't heard about. This is the news. So I don't know why nobody talked about this, but I believe it was a week ago or a week before that. Dan Patrick tweeted out, and it was on his show, and nobody else talked about it. But there was a report that um, as of yesterday, there was a meeting with all of the, the commissioners in college football onto whether or not they were going to expand college football for next season because there is a scenario in which they could vote and this thing could be changed next year if not they'll have to wait till either 2024 or 2025 but if they vote if they were to vote today or yesterday then they could move it to 2023 change it to expansion and it would all be done the news was they weren't able to get a decision done today or yesterday. That being said, they have decided to resume talks in January to vote again for conference expansion. And I don't know if we have time to play that game, you mean but playoff I, expansion. Yes, I, I I do think a lot of these issues. There are a lot of issues with college football. It's not a perfect system. The part of the issue that creates all of these sub issues is that there's no governing body in college football. It's 
every conference for himself. It's every coach for himself. It's every man for himself. It's not the NFL where, like, you can't, if you're the Jets, you can't say, I want to go join the NFC East because it's easy to play there, so I'm going to move. Like, you are victim to a governing body that is the NFL. And until the NCAA develops some system like that, and I don't know if they ever will because everybody already believes that they're red-bleeding communists, but until they decide on that, you're going to have these early signing periods. You're going to have coaches leaving in the middle of the season because, like, in the NFL, there's tampering periods. Like, you can't do this stuff. But in the in college, like, this, that doesn't exist because everybody is so independent and until that issue is solved, I don't know that you solve issues like guys leaving in the middle of the season. The reason I don't understand why Brian Kelly does it is because, and this is what we're going to get into to finish out the show, is we're going to play a little game of what needs to happen for so-and-so to get into the playoffs. Because Brian Kelly leaves, goes to LSU, but the weird thing is there's a, still a shot that Notre Dame gets into this thing, or at least I feel like there is. Do you feel like if the stars align, Notre Dame gets in? And if so, what stars are those? No, I don't think that there is. And the only reason that I don't think – well, okay. Let me, let, me, let me quantify real quick. Here's the problem. is just the spots where Oklahoma State and Baylor are ranked. If – let, let's say, right, for the sake of argument, when Michigan played Ohio State, what was Michigan ranked? Uh, They were three, yeah? Or four? Four. They were ranked fifth. Fifth. When they, they were played right Ohio outside. State. Mm-hmm. And then they beat Ohio State, who was two. And Ohio State fell to seven, and they rose up to two. Okay. Right, in the college football playoff ranking, right? Now, looking at Notre Dame, they would need to leapfrog both Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. So what they need to root for is that Cincinnati loses and Oklahoma State loses. Those are the things they need to root for. And for good measure, it would also be great if Alabama lost for them. Like They would need to root for almost everyone in front of them to lose, to have pure chaos, in order for them to sweep in because they don't have a, like, they don't have a championship game. Now, looking at it, if Oklahoma State wins, right, there's n- – if Oklahoma State and one of the top three teams wins, it's very difficult. It's very, very hard to see Notre Dame getting in. If Oklahoma State loses, they – there's a shot. Most of this becomes because, like, if they get in, it's because Alabama loses and so does Oklahoma State. That's how they get in. If it doesn't happen that way, I I don't I don't know. Okay. The, the, well, actually, in order in order for us to do this, actually, in order for us to do this exercise, you and I would have to predict. Like so, so out of Georgia and Alabama, who do you think wins? Like okay. just like pure gut. If I have to, like, if if I have to put like my firstborn's child life on the line in Vegas, I'm probably betting Georgia, but I don't think that that's a lock. Like to me, this is a 100% 50-50 toss up. The one thing I will say is regardless of argument, I think you and I can both agree on one thing. There are two playoff spots that are guaranteed right now. I think Michigan has a guaranteed playoff spot because Iowa's offense sucks 
and I think you Georgia has an obvious playoff lot, spot locked up because win or lose, they're in. So then that being said, we have at least two spots that can be flipped. Those are Alabama spot and Cincinnati spot. So the question we have to ask is, is well, and I guess we could dispute that because do you think that do you think there's any way in which Iowa beats Michigan? Because I don't. I think there's a way, but I don't like. I think there's a way because Jim Harbaugh coaches Michigan, and I just don't trust oh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh shoot! Okay, but I just I just don't right. I've I've watched for long enough that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop after the Ohio State win. That's fair. But I it because if they're gonna lose one, if they're gonna drop one, that's really unfortunate. It's gonna happen right now, and if Michigan loses, this whole thing goes to crap. That's like this is the thing. If Georgia loses, the order is screwed, but Georgia doesn't lose their playoff spot if no. they lose to Alabama. Nobody's going to get that mad about that. Do you feel that. like, though, because I I think if Alabama beats Georgia by some measure, and like, either they have to drop Georgia to four or they have to put Alabama at one. Because to me, I feel like it would be dumb to have them play back-to-back and then play – to play in the SEC championship and then play first round of the playoffs, right? Am I, or am I crazy? I don't know about that. I would tend to agree with you. I think it just depends on it depends on a couple things. I just I guess it would have to depend on whether or not Michigan wins because if Michigan loses right. and Alabama beats Georgia, then Alabama could go to one, Georgia could go to two probably, and then if in Cincinnati wins, then maybe put Cincinnati at three, and I don't, and then probably Oklahoma State at four. So, so let's get this out of the way real quick. Kay. SEC, Georgia's going to win. Michigan, you think Michigan will win? I like just don't think 10? there's any possible like. I've watched Iowa's offense and I've watched their defense, and it's night and day. Iowa's defense is, I wouldn't say elite, but they're up there. Their offense is, it's it's like a manila folder, dude. Like, there's just absolutely nothing to it. Like, it's so bland. It's so boring. There's nothing to even be entertained about. Like, they don't do anything that makes me think, oh, I'm afraid to play you. The only thing you could possibly say is maybe they give their off, the defense gives their offense enough chances. But I watched that Penn State-Iowa game where I Penn State couldn't move the football more than nine yards, like, in the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. And Iowa still had a tough time pulling that one out. So I and with the way Michigan runs the football, I don't think there's any way that Michigan loses this game. I think Michigan is a lock to beat Iowa on Saturday. Okay, and then Big Twelve. Who do you think wins? Oklahoma State or Baylor? See, that one's tough. But if Baylor wins, then Oklahoma State automatically has no shot, regardless of what happens to the lot to if the other. If Baylor wins, spots. the Big Twelve's eliminated from the. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Even, it's not even actually like low key. If if Baylor wins, a lot of people in the Big Twelve will be really pissed at them. So to me, let's because because right now we have Baylor at nine. We have I, I think we we would both agree there's no way Ole Miss or Ohio State gets into the playoffs, right? The only people um, who have a shot is Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. I think Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. The only way, the only plausible. So here's the thing. If, well, yeah. So, so, so me looking at it, right? Looking at our assumptions that we have here, which is Georgia, Michigan, and Oklahoma State victories. If yep. Georgia wins, I think Alabama drops from the playoffs. I think they yes. drop to five. I, I think Cincinnati goes to three, or they stay at four. And I think Oklahoma jumps up one or two. 
it, it kind of is just all over. Like it, it, yeah. it wouldn't really matter at that point, but I think generally like that's what would happen. Yes. Um, Michigan, if they win, they'll stay. If mm-hmm. Oklahoma State wins, they move up. If Oklahoma State doesn't win, if they lose, Notre Dame and Alabama, that's a hard one because Notre Dame's six and Alabama's three. How far do you drop Bama is the question. But I think Notre Dame goes to four, right? And I think Alabama drops to five is what I think would happen just because I can't see them losing. I can't see them losing to Georgia and dropping anything less than two spots. Yeah, no, I they're just, definitely I, I out. I, I, I think they're out if they lose, but I'm not completely convinced because to me – like we're planning for worst case scenario, right? So let's say Georgia, let's say just for kicks and giggles, let's say Georgia wins, Michigan wins. Then let's say Cincinnati loses and Oklahoma State loses. In that scenario, if Cincinnati, if Cincinnati loses and Oklahoma State loses, just me personally, I think Alabama stays in and Notre Dame goes in. Okay, I that's, that's exactly what, what I, I think. think. I think it goes. Uh-huh. It goes well. You would. There's no plausible argument to me that Ohio State's in. I just, I just don't see it. Like yeah, unless, unless no. Georgia, uh, unless Georgia loses, and Michigan loses, and Cincinnati loses, there's no way on earth. But the thing and is, even is, with that one, that's so yes, hard. Because Alabama would have to wipe the floor. Because we're pretty sure, like Georgia has a 99% chance of winning. So if Alabama right. wins, then Alabama and Georgia are still guaranteed to be in. Ohio State would need, and even and I even still, I don't think, like Notre Dame, I think they're basically just waiting for everyone else to lose. And if everyone else loses, then they get one of the last two spots. If Oklahoma State loses, so again, if we have, let's say Michigan loses, let's say Oklahoma State loses, and let's say Notre Dame all, or and let's say Cincinnati also loses, then we put Notre Dame in. I don't think that Ohio State gets that last spot. I I don't because of the head to head with Michigan, but also, if that's the case, then who does that fourth spot go to? So let's so let's say just for kicks and giggles, Georgia's in. Alabama's in. We say Notre Dame slides up, and we think Cincinnati and Oklahoma State loses. Who gets that four spot? I think so. Just to be clear, in this scenario, Alabama loses or Georgia loses. Uh, let's say let's say Georgia loses. So Georgia loses, and but it's Michigan close. Lose. Yeah, Michigan loses. So if Georgia loses, Michigan loses, and Cincinnati loses. Yes. So if that happens, I think Michigan. If if that happen, if that happens, right? If Georgia, Michigan, and Cincinnati lose, I think Georgia goes down to. I think three. Georgia goes down to three or four. I think Alabama moves up to one. One. I think Oklahoma State moves up to probably two. To be honest, if if Cincinnati and Michigan lose. Um, and then Michigan either see, and here's the problem. I don't think that they can stay top four if, it, if that's what I'm saying. But and then so the question is, are you going to give Dame. Ohio? Yes. So that would be like, so it would really, it really would be a thing of Alabama being one again. Um, so Alabama would be one. You'd have Oklahoma state at two. You'd have Georgia at three and Notre Dame at four would be my okay. guess. And that's pure chaos, right? Like yeah, if that absolutely. happens, 
if that happens. Like, there's, like, I'll be honest, nobody beyond six has a chance in my view. In fact, honestly, like, top four isn't even really But what I'm saying is, what if Oklahoma State also loses? So then you have Alabama and Georgia as the only ones guaranteed to get in, and you have Cincinnati who also lost. We know Notre Dame gets in. Who gets the four spot? I think it's between – I still think it's between the top – See, that's a hard one cause because Oklahoma State loses. Michigan lost, but they beat Ohio State. So it, would it make sense to give Ohio – like then you're almost penalizing Michigan for playing in a conference championship. But also if you leave them in after they lost conference championship, what does that say? I think – I don't think that there's any way – I don't think there's any scenario in which Ohio State makes it and Michigan does not. I don't think it can happen. Okay. I think they. I think but they then would that's what I'm saying. Four. Who? So you think before. Michigan gets the last spot? I think Michigan would get. Would get the last spot before they'd give it. I think Michigan, eleven and two, beating Ohio State, would gets the spot before a two lost Ohio State team who dropped one to Oregon. Gets the spot. I think. I. I just. I think this is just my thing, and I actually agree with Joe Cloud on this. Games have to matter. Games yes, have I agree. To matter, and so I. I don't understand how you can with the same record put Ohio State in with Michigan not being in. I don't understand that. It would be a different conversation, I think, if Ohio State was in the conference championship, but they're not. And so I don't understand how you can give Ohio State any real shot at the playoff where Michigan isn't. I 100% agree with you. If I'm if I'm a betting man and you can give your top four, this is how I think it works out. I think Georgia beats Bama, but let me put it on the record. If Bama wins... I am not at all surprised because the only thing scarier than a regular Alabama team is an Alabama team that everyone has tossed out the window because that's when you get just like scary junkyard dog mentality where they just get quiet and they just come out and kill you, which we've seen before. I'm not, I, I'm thinking Georgia's going to win just because of the defense and the fact that Bryce Young was sacked seven times against Auburn last week. So I'll go Georgia one. I think Michigan wins. I think they're locked. So then I have Michigan two. I'm honestly not sure about Cincinnati. To me, I've been on the Cincinnati hate train for a while. I think Cincinnati loses, to be honest, because Houston's a very good football team comparative to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, here's the other thing. If Cincinnati makes it to the playoffs, I guarantee a loss for Cincinnati, and here's why. They don't start fast, and if you don't start fast against Georgia or Michigan, they're not giving you time to make the comeback. And so I could see Houston easily beating Cincinnati in the way that um, Houston has dropped almost 45 points a game in every single one of their games. Like they, They just score a lot. They give up a lot on defense, but they score a lot, and they score fast. So I'm going to bet. Cincinnati loses to Houston. So to me, I'm going Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Oklahoma State 3, because I think Oklahoma State is so underrated and undervalued, and I think Notre Dame gets in at 4, which I think would be – that would be really fun to see Notre Dame, Brian Kelly leave, and then Notre Dame just to come in as an underdog. And again, they'd probably get railed by Georgia, but it would be cool to see them get in after the coach lost, just give Brian Kelly a big middle finger. I guess – to me, does your top four look any different than that? So, 
the the wild factor for me is Cincinnati. I think Michigan beats Iowa. I don't really have questions about that one. Georgia and Alabama is tighter to me simply because, like we've talked about, like Nick yes. Saban just is a wizard and actually, and it, it's a rivalry, honestly. Right, and I think Nick Saban talks to the devil. So I yes. don't, I don't. Uh, Cincinnati's the X factor. I'll give it to them, just because I've watched, I've watched Houston play, and they're not great. Like just as a complete football team, okay. and with Cincinnati, I think. So here, here's the thing, right? Looking at, because here's the thing that's more interesting to me, even than like playoff spots, is like New Year's bowls. Yeah, right. That's like fair. New Year, New Year's Day bowls, and then I guess we'll also count so selection committee bowl games, right? Like that, like basically the New Year's Day bowls and then the Peach Bowl, right? So like New looking Year's at six. It, right, the New Year's Six. Looking at it. Right now, I'm I'm reading this thing from CBS, and I have I I want the crack they're smoking. I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> because here's what they got. You ready for this? All right, let's hear it. No, you ready? I I want the crack rocks. I want I'm like I'm, I'm Michigan I'm versus afraid. Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. Michigan versus Cincinnati. Georgia versus Oklahoma State. Okay. And then Georgia versus Oklahoma State in the Orange Bowl. In the Sugar Bowl, they have Alabama versus Baylor. In okay. the Rose Bowl, they have Ohio State and Oregon. In the Fiesta Bowl, okay. they have Michigan State and Notre Dame. Okay. And are you ready for this one? You're going to blow my mind. Peach Bowl, Miss- Mississippi versus Pittsburgh. Wait. Like, oh, Ole Miss versus Pitt? Yes. Okay. Where's BYU in under- all of this? That, well, that they have they have Pittsburgh at fifteen leaping over BYU when neither one of them plays a conference championship game. Well, Pitt like, does. Is Pitt playing a championship? Pitt's, oh yeah, Pitt, I Pitt's I playing uh, Wake Forest. Pitt's playing oh, Wake, Wake Forest, Forest, I believe, for their conference championship. Again, it doesn't right, really but, matter, but it's a conference championship. Right, but like, so here's the thing. Like, let, let's assume, like, just talking, let's just talking the ones that you and I talked about earlier. So you think you think it's Georgia, Michigan. Um, and then you think Cincinnati loses? Yeah, so I think it's Oklahoma State. Again, I think you're right. I think Cincinnati is a toss-up because I'm not guaranteeing that it's a loss, but I do think it is a toss-up. And if it goes the way I think it will because I just don't have respect for Cincinnati, maybe because they thought they were going to beat us in a bowl game last year and they didn't. But I do have at my three, I have Notre or I have Oklahoma State, and at four, I have Notre Dame. Okay, so you have Cincinnati losing. Yes. Okay. Um, ACC, who do you have losing? I know like neither one of us really care, but this is what I will say about this game. As I did my research today, nobody like to me, this is the Mr. Irrelevant bowl. Like nobody really cares who wins between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, but I think that's going to be a heck of a game. Like, I think it's going to be similar to the uh, Wake Forest UNC game where it's just no offense, just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. So I think it'll be really entertaining, but I don't think it matters. But I think Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett's the god, comes out at the end. Okay, so Pittsburgh. And then who do you think wins the Pac-12? Dude, I don't know. Oregon looked like they didn't know how to move the football on offense last time they played Utah. But I, I have a hard time seeing them losing the same time. Or back to back. I have to a hard time seeing team. them losing twice in a row. That's the only thing. If, yes. if they came into the game like eleven and one, and they were playing Utah, I would pick Utah. But 
That being said, though, the game hard. wasn't close last time, like, at no, all. It wasn't. So I, I think this one's also a toss-up for – I think if I'm if I'm betting my gut, like, I think Utah wins. Okay. So let's assume – let's assume these, okay? Now let's look at, like, looking at New Year's 6, okay? okay. So we've got – so assuming Georgia wins, right? So okay. we'll have Georgia at 1. Yep. Right? And then if we have Michigan at two. Yep. And then at three, Alabama loses. Yep. Right. And we have Oklahoma State winning. Yes. Okay. So I think Oklahoma's, if we have, if Cincinnati loses as well, I think Oklahoma becomes three. Right. So OK State, which by the way, is the most unfortunate, like shortened name for OK State. <laughs> Fair. Um, Notre Dame. Right goes in at four. Okay. Um, how far do you think Bama falls? Do you think they fall to five, or do you think they fall further? <sighs> no, I think they fall. Let's see. Uh, see, the question you have to ask yourself is, how? Like, I think, I think Cincinnati gets screwed pretty hard because we already know. Like, I think they begrudge they begrudgingly put Cincinnati at four because they had to because Ohio state lost Notre Dame didn't control their own destiny and Oklahoma state was coming in from behind. So I think, I think if Cincinnati loses, especially if they lose by more than a touchdown, I think Cincinnati drops to like seven and I could see it being five Alabama, six Ohio state and seven Cincinnati. Okay. So let's say Alabama at five. And then you said six is, Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay. Ohio State. Seven. Cincy. Cincy. And we're going to 12. So then eight. Ole Miss. Eight would be Ole Miss. You think they're unchanged? They just stay? Yeah, I mean, nobody else plays. Well, see, but then the question you have to – well, let's see. Because, see, then you have to ask – well, we said Oregon loses. So, yeah, I think other than – Oregon I don't think, and Baylor would both lose. Yeah, so then, yes, Ole Miss definitely stays. Baylor drops and Oregon drops. So I think – And I think I think Baylor drops out of top 12 or no? Uh, I think they might – Let's. I honestly say you move both of them down. Uh, I think you move BYU to – or okay, Michigan okay, State wait, and actually, BYU be, to 9 before we Before we do that – Okay, so Ole Miss, and then nine is Michigan State, and then ten is BYU, and Iowa also loses. So then Oklahoma comes up. So if Iowa loses, Oklahoma. I don't know if Oklahoma makes the top twelve, but Oklahoma would be eleven at that point. Okay. Um, and then twelve, you you're betting on Pittsburgh, so maybe we swap and we have Oklahoma at twelve, and Pittsburgh would be eleven. Sure, I'll whirl with that. So, right. So let's say like they're let's say that like that's let's say that's what we're talking about. Okay. So looking at the college football, like the New Year Six bowls, right? What we would have because it's one versus four, and then two versus three, right? Yep. Okay. So you would have um, Georgia versus Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. 
which would be sick. That would just be like college football branding fire. Right. So in the Orange Bowl, you'd have one versus four. Um, and then in the Cotton Bowl. Speaking of which, would how has the Cotton Bowl not been deemed as racist? Like every time I hear the Cotton Bowl, I just think – like Shh, it just hear you, bro. it just sounds like it should rub people the wrong way. It doesn't rub me the wrong way, but I'm just like when we're calling like the Atlanta Braves racist, I don't understand how talking about cotton in an openly public forum isn't racist, especially in Oklahoma. Um, two and three would be Michigan versus Oklahoma State, which is a weird game. Yeah, that is a weird one. I don't like know how that one goes versus out. A Big Twelve. That's a weird game. And then after that, you've got um, the Sugar Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl will be the SEC versus the Big Twelve. So who would be the highest? And, uh, would that but, be Alabama and Baylor? But like, really, we're going to include Baylor, who's not even going to be top. Baylor wouldn't even be top 12 in this. Yeah. Uh, what if you went, could you go Alabama? Let, let's, wait, actually, let's let's. What if you went Alabama, Ohio State? So you think they'd like boot out Big 12 right there? I think so, cause you, because Baylor is not even in the top 10 if they lose to Oklahoma State. They're 10 and 3. Right. And so, like, and then the Rose Bowl – is supposed to be Big Ten versus Pac-12. So that one... Yeah, Michigan like, State and Oregon. So let me list this out. So so that would be... Let's see. Then we have Rose and then Fiesta and Peach. And then Fiesta and Peach are both at-large. So they're not tied to a specific... like They're just at-large teams. But like this is what makes it weird because there's no Pac-12 teams in the top 12 of this ranking. If Oregon wins, Oregon would go to the Rose Bowl. If Oregon loses, Utah would go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> oh, my word. Because it'd be the Pac-12 champion that's not in the college football playoff. So Utah would go to the Rose Bowl, and they'd probably play Ohio State, or who would be after Ohio State? Michigan State? And then... The at-larges, you'd have Cincinnati and Ole Miss. So let's just say, like, in Sugar, since we know that one for sure. In the Sugar Bowl, Alabama's one, Alabama would be there versus a team. Rose Bowl, it would either be Ohio State or Michigan State. Under your theory, Ohio State goes to the Sugar Bowl. What the freak? This is such a weird one. Because, like, here's the problem, right? Is that, like, I don't understand how you could justify... So, if you're Cincinnati and you're seven, you've got to play in the Fiesta or Peach Bowl. Like, there's no way they kick you to, a, like, an AAC Bowl at seven, right? Yeah, you would think... I mean, but again, if they lose to Houston, I don't know what they'll do with Cincinnati. They'd have to be an at-large because then, like, there's no way Houston jumps up high enough to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, yeah, And so yeah, they would probably yeah. 
they'd probably just be in like the one for the AAC champ, right? Yeah. So I would assume Cincinnati gets in there. Um, Ole Miss still has to play somewhere in here, and so it'd be in the Fiesta or the Peach Bowl. Michigan State has to play somewhere as well. And then after Michigan State is, well, it's BYU. Whoa. So you could have a thing. So let's just, like, if we're gaming this out, Alabama versus Ohio State under your theory, although I think they have a What do you think happens there? Bro, I don't know because I don't understand in what universe people think that it's okay for Baylor to lose their conference championship and then go play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and not be a top 12 team. I don't even think they'll be top 15. I don't either. If they lose. So I'm like, I don't understand how they would do that. Oregon is going to have to go play in the Rose Bowl and get destroyed by Michigan State or get have Ohio State. I think here's what happens. I think I think they have Ohio State play a revenge game. Which I think would be Oregon. pretty cool, right? Like if you Tim, it, the the problem is, I think we have you have a very different Ohio State team than you had that game, and you have a very different Oregon team than you had that game. So I think it it gets flip flopped. Honestly, I think Ohio State rails the Oregon defense. Right. I think. Okay, I'm just being, like, for those of everybody who's listening, I'm being completely freaking insane. I'm not paying very much attention to, like, the affiliation because, frankly, screw Baylor. But, like... Yeah, Baylor kind of Fs this whole thing up. Yeah, Baylor and Michigan, like... Not, not Michigan, but, like, Oregon. Oregon. Just... Uh, Oregon pisses me off in this, too. But, basically, what you would have go is... And I'm just totally spitballing here, Okay. In the in the Orange Bowl, right? You have one v four, Cotton Bowl two v three. I think in the Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Cincinnati would not be insane. I would love to see that. I would love to see it too, simply for the entertainment value of watching Nick Saban like absolutely obliterate an AAC team. And, and, and we would get to understand. see like all of these guys who are like, no, Cincinnati's better than this. Like we could say, okay, you get you get Alabama on a neutral field. Tell me how good you really are. Right, and then in the Rose Bowl, I have Ohio State versus Oregon, which I think is actually a pretty freaking like I think that's a game. Yeah. Fiesta Bowl, you would have Michigan State. Um, and then my guess would be Ole Miss, which that game would be whack. Um, and then as well, let me think. It would be BYU and Oklahoma. Which I think would also be a very entertaining game. Oklahoma? Yeah. I... Here's the thing, like, and I know that I'm biased. I know that I am, but I have no clue how a BYU team in the top ten gets replaced by a Baylor team who lost their conference championship. I know Baylor beat BYU head to head. I'm not to speak. I'm not saying that BYU is a better team, but I'm saying I don't know rankings wise how you justify a Baylor team that's not even top fifteen going to like the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I don't understand how you justify it. Like I, the you only can reason I you want to me, you could maybe say it is because they're independent. That's the only reason, and I'm not even saying it's a good reason. I'm just saying it might be a reason. Right, and and I think that too. But I'm like, 
I don't understand that. And also, like, just with the, like, you still have, like, I don't know. I just, I don't understand. Oregon, you can maybe convince me that the Pac-12 champ in the Rose Bowl, you, you can make an argument to me. You might be able to convince me. But, like, Baylor in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, that's the game we want to see? That sounds like because then here's the thing if you bring Baylor up you have to screw BYU or Cincy and it's probably going to be BYU yeah but then where do you yeah it would be BYU but so what do you do with Cincinnati right like like because at that point if, if you screw BYU over right now you have what so now that like you move them out you would have Cincinnati versus either Pittsburgh or they would play Oklahoma. So Cincinnati versus Oklahoma, is that what you do? Um, I actually do like that matchup, yeah. That's kind of a weird one. Like, it's possible. I just don't understand. Here's my thing. I really do think – I think we should streamline everything. I hate these conference affiliation things. I think top 12 go in. If six of them are SEC teams, it doesn't matter. Everybody yep. should play better. Like, I think we should have a top 12 thing where you're like, okay, top 12 teams – you play in these bowls. Everybody else gets relegated to these backwards bowls, and you can make your like you can make your um, agreements with them. But this idea that the number ten team in the country is gonna be in the Independence Bowl, beating up on who would they play? It'd be like the champion of it'd be the championship um, team of like the. Let me see this. It'd be playing like UAB or something. They might be playing like UTSA. I'd love to see that because everyone like RJ Young, who's like, oh, well, they were undefeated, so they deserve to be ranked really highly. And it's like, yeah, but who you play matters. Yeah, if you're undefeated, you should be top 10. It's like, I don't know. And here's the thing like, I think two things can be true at once. I think you can say, hey, the top 12, that you should reward the top 12 teams, right, in the nation that like ranked that way with like New Year's Six Bowl games. And I think you can also say just because you're undefeated doesn't mean that you should be a top 12 team. Yep. Like, I'm sorry. I I know that this will piss off a lot of people. San Diego State going undefeated would not matter one bit to me. No. It wouldn't. They shouldn't go any higher than like 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. They play in the Mountain West Conference. Their best win would be Boise. And granted, as a BYU fan, I'll acknowledge we didn't do that. But like... Boise's not in the top 25, so... No. And so this is this is my big thing that I don't understand, right? Is that I'm like I mean, if we if if we really want to get into it did Cincinnati besides Notre Dame did they no. play a ranked team? Uh I don't think so. No, not yeah, no. uh no. Houston will they be have the first Houston. one besides Yep. Yeah. BYU Houston, oh, yeah. played Utah and they were ranked. They played Baylor and lost. They played Let's see. They played Arizona State when they were ranked. Like, BYU BYU beat five, like, Pac-12 teams this year. Right? And then they went and played Big 12 teams as well. Like, yep. I think there was only, like, two or three games that were just were, like, you know, cupcakes. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think besides Notre Dame and Houston, those will be the only competitive games that, like, Cincinnati plays. Especially they when they had – Exactly, and they had close games with teams who had only won one football game. So, like East I think, Carolina? Yeah. I don't know. 
Cincinnati to me is kind of the 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 axis that all of this is spinning on. Once you pull that pin, you find out what everything else. You find out where the dominoes fall. That is going to be it for us. The one thing I'll say before we go, um, there's a kid out of Michigan. His name's Tate Meyer. He died stopping an active shooter um, this last week. And there's a petition online to have the stadium changed to the Tate Meyer Stadium. I went and signed it. I highly encourage you to go sign it. There's a bunch of BS surrounding the story. But we're just going to celebrate a hero that is Tate Meyer who tried to stop an active shooter and ended up saving multiple kids' lives in the process. So that is all the time we have. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back to react to all the craziness that is conference championship weekend and i am so excited for it